Servus and greetings from Vienna. My name is Anita Posch. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin und Co., my podcast that's introducing the philosophy, ideas and people behind Bitcoin. Before we start, a message from my sponsors. The Card Wallet is the ideal solution to store your Bitcoin keys in the medium and long run. No software updates needed, it's 100% offline, it leaves no traces on the blockchain if you give it away as a gift or inheritance. With the card wallet, you'll get one Bitcoin address, you can send Bitcoin to it whenever you wish, and all you have to do is to store it in a safe place. That's it. The manufacturers are the Austrian State Printing House, who is also the producer of Austria's passports, and Coinfinity, Austria's first Bitcoin broker. Order your card wallet at cardwallet.com forward slash Anita and get 20% off. Hello people, I'm still in Vienna. Tomorrow I'm flying off to Zimbabwe. And when you're hearing this episode, it's the last episode before I will publish the audio documentary from my Africa journey. So I was talking to Connie Gallippi, the founder of BitGive, a non-profit that's existing since 2013. And we were talking about her work in uh, underdeveloped countries in Venezuela and in Kenya. And she also uh, knows Alakanani Iterileng from the Satoshi Center in Botswana that I will visit. I hope you have some new insights as I had and I think Bitcoin and blockchains are really a great technology to have more transparency, to see where the funds go and um, yeah, listen to Connie. So hello Connie, thank you very much for agreeing to do this interview. You are the founder and executive director of the BitGift Foundation. Please introduce yourself as a start. Sure. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on um, your uh, show here. And so, yes, I'm the founder and executive director of BitGive. And um, we are a nonprofit that focuses on the nonprofit space and philanthropic um, use cases for Bitcoin and blockchain technology. We were the first official nonprofit established back in 2013. Um, so we've been, been at this for a while now. <laughs> How did you even get into Bitcoin? When did you hear about it the first time? Wow, that's a great question. I, I was trying to remember how long ago it was. I think it was probably in 2011, potentially even earlier. Um, my brother was the co-founder of, or is the co-founder of one of the earliest Bitcoin companies. So I heard about the technology in its earliest days, really, um, before anything had really started to come of it from a community or an industry standpoint. How did you get interested in it? In I mean, what, what made it make a click? Which kind of properties does Bitcoin and open blockchains have that you are interested in the most? Well, initially, um, you know, it, it wasn't even, the term blockchain wasn't even really used, right? And so, Initially, it was just really fascinating to me that you could reach someone in like the most remote areas in developing countries 
and provide them with a resource, with funding, uh, money. Um, and the potential and the possibilities almost seemed like magical at that time. You know, it was very inspiring and it was very clear to me that it would change everything. Um, and so now, you know, obviously many years have gone by and a lot has happened with the technology and the industry itself. There's all kinds of other coins and blockchains and use cases and <laughs> it's, um, evolved a lot, um, and, you know, there's lots of interesting features and um, benefits to the technology um, as, as we've all learned more and more about it over the years. And I think um, now what's most interesting to me is still focusing on Bitcoin and, you know, that it truly is a decentralized, um, consensus-based and public open ledger and that we really have no idea who created it. There's no one in charge. There's no one in control. Um, and to me, that means it's truly immutable, right? It, it offers real transparency and real accountability because of, of how it's, how it's designed at its core. Mm. And when you talk of Bitcoin, you mean Bitcoin BTC. So, um, you're not using any other cryptocurrencies in your projects. Well, I do. I do mean BTC, um, but we we do use other cryptocurrencies um, as well. We have now uh, built a, a donation platform called GiveTrack, and GiveTrack has an integration with Uphold. So, essentially, takes um, now I believe 50 different fiat and cryptocurrencies. And uh, coming back to the founding idea of BitGive, uh, have you been in this uh, space, like say in uh, funding nonprofits before? How did you come up with the idea to do BitGive, to build BitGive? Yes. So I did um, previously have a career in the nonprofit sector and um, I've, I worked quite many, like almost 15 years I worked with nonprofits in California. And um, largely in the environmental um, space. So when I learned about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, um, I immediately married the two thinking um, of what the possibilities could be for nonprofits with this kind of technology. And especially around funding, because um, probably about half of my career or more previously was focused on um, developing public policies and pu public funding sources for environmental programs and that would benefit nonprofits understanding you know how important the work is that they do and how hard it is for them to fund that work so i immediately made that connection with with bitcoin and how it could help the nonprofit sector What were the obstacles before? I mean, I guess uh, you are funding projects in different countries, not only in the US or in Canada, but in worldwide. And I guess then uh, borderless money, which is uh, without friction, is a great benefit. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of things, really. I mean, initially it was a simple um, concept because we were so early, you know, in understanding the technology. 
It was a simple concept of knowing that this was going to be a tremendous, like revolutionary new technology and industry. And to be able to capture and give back some of that, you know, potential growth and success. Um, But it's evolved, of course, you know, it's been almost seven years. So it's evolved quite a bit. And now that there's a much more understanding of the technology and what the capabilities are, um, we mostly focus on helping nonprofits hands on using the technology for exactly that purpose. Like you said, it, it saves a lot of time. It's much faster to move funding, especially globally. It's much um, less expensive and it's more secure. And then we're also, you know, working with the transparency of the blockchain to show um, donors and the public what happens with their funds, what happens with their donations. Is it on both sides? I mean, do you get donations in crypto and you also send the funds to the projects in crypto? Yes, um, we have we have essentially a system that on GiveTrack where donations go directly between the donor and the nonprofits. And that's largely due to a lot of regulatory constraints, mostly in the U.S., um, but it is donations can be taken in in um, like I said in Bitcoin, but also through Uphold, a number of different cryptocurrencies and fiat currencies, and then everything is converted into Bitcoin so that we have one standard currency, and also so that we can track it on the blockchain. So the the charities themselves are holding the funds that they fundraise on GiveTrack in Bitcoin. Um, and then moving them as much as possible on the blockchain to different locations for projects. I'm sure, as you know, there is sort of a, still um, quite a bit of work to do in building out a functioning ecosystem where people can actually use Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to purchase things with vendors and, and merchants. And um, there's a, lo- a long way to go. As far as that is concerned, especially in developing economies and in remote areas where a lot of nonprofits are doing their work. So oftentimes um, we are helping them convert the the, uh, Bitcoin into a a local currency so that they can obviously implement the projects that they're working on. So, yeah, you just said it. I guess in, in most of the projects uh, have to convert the funds then to their local currency to be able to buy stuff. I think I've I've heard that also from uh, Venezuela. Do you also have projects in Venezuela? Yes, we do. Yes, and it is it is quite common to convert it, you know, obviously because we have really just a long way to go to build out a functioning ecosystem. Um, but yes, in, in Venezuela, we have uh, three campaigns running actually right now on GiveTrack. And um, they're all with the same NGO called South American Initiative. And um, they have, they're a US-based organization, but they have team members and facilities and all of their pro- programs and projects are on the ground in Venezuela. So we're fundraising for um, three of their programs on GiveTrack right now. One is for orphans and um, providing orphanages with food and supplies and medicine. Also for hospitals and patients. And the third is for abandoned pets. Um, it's creating quite a public health issue 
in addition to just obviously wanting to help the pets themselves. Do you have um, like how should I say, criteria for choosing those projects? Like on the one hand, yeah, children, animals, hospitals. On the other hand, um, criteria like what the organizational structure has to have. Um, yeah, what, what are your criteria for funding projects or working together with projects? That's a great question. Um, especially in this space, <laughs> it can be kind of a interesting in, in Bitcoin, um, how a lot of, of other projects and programs run. But we are very careful to vet every organization that we work with. Um, we only work with NGOs and um, that they must be registered in their respective country. And we, you know, manually verify and vet them to make sure that not only are they legit, but that they're in compliance and things like that. Um, we also look to see um, whether they've been effective in their work and if they have a track record of results so that we can feel comfortable that we'll have a successful partnership. Um, and then we also just generally look for mission fit and things like you said with, you know, our focus is largely in uh, public health, education, environment, um, things like that. So We want to make sure that, you know, there's a fit as well with our unique audience. So we look for causes that we think will be successful on our platform. With a unique audience, you mean people in the crypto space like Bitcoiners. Did you see also a time of more funding when like in 2017, uh, the price of Bitcoin went to 20,000? Did more people donate money then? Yes, we definitely see, um, you know, when there's price increases and also decreases, we see the effects of that. Um, and we, we did have quite a bit of funding come in at that point because the price had skyrocketed. <laughs> um, and it was also the timing was such that, you know, it, in the US, especially, but probably in a lot of other countries, it was at the very, you know, close to the end of the year, which is also the end of the tax year. So the, the folks who were clued in to, you know, having uh, gains that could be taxable, right at the end of the year, very, were very quick to respond to the opportunity to make uh, donations as well. So there's kind of a combination of different things happening all at once, but um, but we definitely saw a fair amount of funding at that time. What would you say, what are the main obstacles for you to get funds? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> well, you know, in any nonprofit, it's very challenging. There's, you know, there's an art and a skill to, to fundraising. Um, it takes a lot of time and focus. There's definitely a unique skill set. And we have a we have a really small team, so you know sometimes it's it's um, it's a challenge just for those those basic things that I think a lot of nonprofits face. But otherwise, I think it's the uniqueness of what we do. You know, it's a certain type of person that will see what we're doing and really get it and be willing to support that. Uh, it's a very you know, forward thinking, pushing the envelope kind of mission that we have. Are you looking for people from all over the world or is it only for funders or donors from the US? No, we're definitely seeking donors from from all over. Um, as BitGive ourselves as an entity, we are US-based, so we can offer, you know, unique tax benefits to US donors. Um, but the platform itself, GiveTrack, has 
projects from all over the world, NGOs from all over the world. Um, and we're really open to obviously a donor base that is global and um, and also to, you know, expanding beyond just cryptocurrency and Bitcoin donors, but to a, a mainstream audience as well. Um, there's, you know, challenges with onboarding um, that I think a lot of the industry faces the same challenges. Um, but, you know, we, we definitely see that the technology itself provides a lot of benefits and is a really great use case to demonstrate why this technology is so wonderful and what the benefits are. So we're trying to appeal to a mainstream audience as well. I mean, I could imagine that your technology, like Gift Track, is also a technology that suit that's suited for other industries. Or I mean, for all the projects that uh, have to get money in on one side and get it out in another country. Or yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's really you know our focus is you know nonprofits, but the technology itself could be used for a lot of things, and you know it's designed in such a way that. It's really about, you know, two parties interacting with one another directly and then being able to watch that on a public blockchain and see what what happens with the funds, but also the results, um, you know, what what's done with them is seen in, you know, reporting and visuals as well as just seeing movement on a blockchain. So actually you built a centralized solution that is decentralized without an intermediary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's a centralized solution, I guess, because we're providing it maybe. But yeah, it, it is. Um, it's a platform that we've built, but the interactions are all directly between the donors and the charities. And then as the charities implement their work, um, you know, if we had more of a, a widespread functioning ecosystem, we could really be able to show a lot more, you know, of them purchasing things and um, a lot more of the last mile movements as well on the blockchain. That would That's where we're headed. That's our ultimate goal. Yeah, interesting. So you provide both sides of peer-to-peer um, -peer contract in a way. I mean, you, you, you find donors and on the other side, you, let's say, create NGOs who get the funds. Is that what you do, basically? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We do. And, you know, it's we do purposely go through NGOs for a lot of reasons um, versus just, you know, direct peer-to-peer -peer because it's a, it's very challenging to vet if you were to go to, um, you know, specific individuals on the receiving side without having some sort of vetting organization or filter in between. So that's why we focus on working with NGOs, um, especially because we want to have a global reach and impact that, You know, we can't have people on the ground everywhere. I'd love for that someday, but <laughs> it's um, it's also, you know, kind of like recreating the wheel too, if you do that. So we, we work with NGOs that know very well how to do what they do and they understand the culture and the environment that they're working in. And we support them in what they're doing already instead of trying to, you know, recreate the wheel. And they're the ones that serve that role in, you know, helping the end recipients through their programs. You were talking about projects in Venezuela. What were your biggest projects? I mean, big is the question of definition. What is big now? Big in the size of funding or uh, big in the organizational side? I don't know uh, which example you want to take, but what was for you 
a rather big project? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I think they vary as far as, like you said, we could look at, you know, some that raise the most funds. We could look at the ones that have the most impact. Um, we could look at the largest organizations we worked for or with. Um, and they're all really interesting. Um, I think, you know, our, our, uh, project in Kenya that's now been almost five years old now, um, was, was a really impactful one because it was early on. And it was entirely funded with Bitcoin. And it was a well that went in at a girls' school in a very um, remote area of Western Kenya. And we were able to go there and actually meet the, the school officials, the, the kids, and see um, the project itself as it was just starting to function. And water was flowing for the first time. And we were able to film all of that. So it's been, I think... Um, one of our most impactful projects because um, we were able to go there. It was such an early one and we have a lot of media to share about it. Um, but since then, you know, we've also worked with other organizations like Code to Inspire that is teaching girls, young girls in Afghanistan, how to code. That one's a very interesting and exciting project. Um, we actually have an update going out this week about that. And um We've had, you know, several projects that have overshot their fundraising goals. So raised two times or one and a half times the amount of money that they needed. Um, so there's lots of different examples, but I think, you know, it's been seven, almost seven years and probably 20 or more organizations that we've worked with. So there's a lot, a lot to, to share. But it gives you a good feeling huh? in the heart. I mean, to be so helpful for communities. Oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's really all about. You know, it's, um, it's been challenging and we face a lot of challenges being in a, you know, evolving technology and, and industry. But when we see the results of these projects and how it's really working and the people are getting, you know, water, food, medicine, education, computers, all kinds of things. It's like, <laughs> it's why we do all of this. You know, it's very, very uplifting and rewarding. Have there been any things you learned in these last seven years that you were not like um, thinking about, like you were surprised by? <laughs> yeah, almost everything. <laughs> Back in 2013, when I decided to do this, um, I don't think anybody, especially me, but I don't think anybody really knew where we were headed, you know, where this industry was headed, where this technology was headed. Um, and, you know, I think just starting and running a nonprofit is a huge challenge anyway. But then when you add uh, this emerging technology into the mix um, and the Wild West sort of <laughs> culture, um, it's You know, to, to say it's been challenging was uh, a huge understatement, but, um, you know, it's also been rewarding, like we were just talking about, and it's a, it's been a huge learning curve for me, and I've learned, in you know, lots of different um, things in different, you know, sort of categories of learning, you know, about tech, about finance, about global issues, about having impact. Um, it's in every way it's been, um, a learning experience and a growth experience and really very rewarding. And you were just mentioning the wild west. I mean, regulation is said to be, yeah, regulate the wild west. How is that for you? I mean, I guess it's a lot of paperwork and extra work for you. 
It is. Um, it is. We so there's a couple reasons why, though. I mean, and you know, just uh, nonprofits themselves have a, a different sort of um, extra level of scrutiny and reporting that's required. So we have to do all of that, but also um, working with cryptocurrency is um, is is an interesting new you know way of doing things. And because we started the organization so early, there wasn't really any guidance or anything out there at the time. And we were the first official nonprofit in the U.S. that received tax exempt status as a Bitcoin entity, um, which here is called a 501c3. And so we had to really figure out like, okay, this is awesome, but how do we meet all of these requirements while using cryptocurrency? And a lot of nonprofits um, still to this day, because it's so complicated, um, they will just convert, they take it in as a donation, a different form of donation, but then they immediately convert it into fiat. But we don't do that. We actually hold um, in mostly Bitcoin. And so that's a whole nother exercise of how to do the accounting and how to do the reporting on the gains and the losses, um, how to change you know, your books at the end of each year based on the value of your assets at the time. It's <laughs> so yeah, we've We've pioneered um, in that space as well. Like how how do you even approach a lot of the regulatory and reporting requirements? But it's a lot of responsibility that you have then. I mean, if I imagine that you hold the funds actually, then you're like an exchange. Well, actually, we, we don't in the case of GiveTrack, which is um, specifically why is the regulatory issues. We can't really, you know, we can't... Um, On behalf of others, we cannot accept, transfer, convert, or hold um, funds because it triggers all of the um, regulations that essentially like a bank would need to to meet. And as a nonprofit, of course, we don't want to have to go through all of the licensing and and, um, policies and such that banking institutions have to follow. So that's actually why we developed GiveTrack in a way that the the donation goes specifically from the donor uh, directly to the nonprofits themselves. Um, But as BitGive, as as an institution, we do accept donations ourselves and we hold those in Bitcoin, but they're for for BitGive specifically. They're not on behalf of um, the NGOs that are on GiveTrack, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand. Okay, yeah, that makes completely sense, yeah. Yeah, as I told you in one of our emails, I'm going to Zimbabwe and Botswana uh, next month um, to research the usage of Bitcoin there because I'm really curious because we always tend to say it makes sense to use Bitcoin in a hyperinflationary system like in Zimbabwe, but we don't really know if people use it. And I'm a little, how shall I say, I have been to Africa before, but Africa is very big and uh, it's very different in every country. I think you might have a lot of experience in working uh, abroad in other places. 
what do you think? How could I or should I approach people there and ask them about Bitcoin? Do you have any opinion on that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so, you know, first of all, I'm really happy just to hear that you're going there and supportive of that because I think a lot of other folks should go there and really learn and see for themselves what the possibilities are. And um, I think that there's way too much focus in the first world on apps and trading platforms and investing. And they're very myopically focused on that. And they don't really have an understanding of other cultures and places and what the needs are there and how this technology really has, in my opinion, the most potential in developing economies. Um, but, you know, it's, I think that, like you said, it's talked about a lot. Um, I don't know that in practice it's actually happening. Um, and, you know, to, to go there and to, to see what is happening is the first step, right? Is to get a, the reality check on it. Um, and I don't think, um, you know, a lot of people, especially from the quote unquote Western world, <laughs> they go to places, um, like, different countries in Africa or in Latin America or Asia, um, thinking that, you know, they have something to teach <laughs> the people there. And I actually would say that, you know, it's best to be humble, to be open-minded and to actually go to learn from them. Um, and that they, they probably have a lot more to teach you than you have to teach them, you know, not, not necessarily about Bitcoin, <laughs> but about a lot of a lot of things um and you know a lot of what the west quote unquote has brought to these countries um is more you know over over the history of you know over time is more harm and taking from them um and so i think that we actually have a lot of of damage to to repair you know And I don't know that a lot of people approach it from that angle or perspective, but I think it's probably the best um, the best approach to take is, you know, being open minded and and going there to to learn from them. Yeah, it's uh, completely. I'm completely of the same opinion. I'm I'm not going there to teach them something, but to to listen to them. And I hope I can be like an ambassador, you know, like telling people in the so-called Western world what uh, people there really would need. Because I think we don't even think about the fact that most of them can't afford an internet connection at the moment or if they have one it's so slow that they can't do an initial blockchain download so they can't set up a node because yeah they they can't start and uh yeah these are the things i'm trying to find out and yeah i'm i'm, I'm very curious what i will learn and see there oh that's perfect yeah i think that's the best way to look at it and it's absolutely true that You know, there a lot of times they're just trying to, you know, still find access to the internet um, after they meet very basic human needs <laughs> first. You know, so um, there's definitely a lot of possibilities, um, but I think it's it's largely about exposure to what's possible and education and training um, and getting some of those really basic building blocks in place first um, is 
I think mostly where it's at. I mean, I haven't traveled very, you know, um, broadly, especially in Africa. I've, I've really only been to Kenya and, um, South Africa, but, um, you know, I know you mentioned Botswana and I know Ala Kanani, she's a dear friend and an absolute inspiration. I've known her since probably 2013. And, um, she, she really actually keeps me going sometimes. She's so inspiring. She is, um, she's doing a lot of amazing work there and I've learned a bit from her experiences and what she's, you know, the challenges that she's faced there. Um, and it's really for her, it's, it's about building, you know, the Satoshi center and it's about providing a place for people to learn and be exposed and, and, to educate them about what's possible with this technology. Yeah, I am going to visit her too. Um, and we're going to have a Bitcoin meetup on the 29th of February, I think. And uh, yeah, it will be very in interesting uh, to learn from her and to talk with her. And I think we might try to set up a Bitcoin and Lightning node there. Um, and uh, I guess that will be fun. And I'm definitely also going to interview her. But now that I know that you know her, I can say hello to her too. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. She's, she's incredible. She really is. Um, I'm jealous that you're getting to go there. <laughs> I've never been to Botswana. I finally met her in person for the first time, actually in Cape Town uh, last fall. And I had known her all these years, but only online. So it was probably the, <laughs> honestly, one of the top, top highlights of my entire time in Bitcoin was finally getting to meet her in person and really spend We got to spend some quality time together and it was just so incredibly special and dear to me. So um, I'm, I'm very jealous. I wish I could go with you to Botswana, but yeah, definitely give her a big hug for me. Will do. So now I'm extra looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be an incredible experience, I'm sure. <laughs> fine, fine. So what are the current projects you are working on? Well, we have quite a bit happening behind the scenes right now. Um, we have um, the public projects that I mentioned earlier in Venezuela that we're fundraising for. And then we have a number of other projects that have um, finished their fundraising phase but are under implementation. So we're working with them to help them use, the, use Bitcoin or convert Bitcoin and then report back out on GiveTrack as to what the results are of the different projects that they're working on. Um, we have just today put out an update from our partner Run for Water that has a project in Ethiopia that they um, in part funded um, on GiveTrack. And we have more coming from uh, code to inspire who I mentioned earlier and has a coding school in Afghanistan. We have projects in Chile. I mean, all of them are, are starting to really have, um, you know, report outs on the results. So that's exciting. And then we have um, behind the scenes always a lot of technical improvements underway. <laughs> so there's um, our team of, of developers are all um, focusing on that and making the platform better all the time. And we're also working on lining up um, more projects for we hope in March to be um, first releasing an update to the platform uh, to the Bitcoin wallet. And in conjunction with that, launching a bunch of new projects with NGOs. 
So we have a bunch we're working with now kind of behind the scenes to get them ready. Sounds like a lot of things to do in 2020. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we're also growing our team. We just um, added three new members to our board. We've added two new members to our team and we're looking for another. So we have we have a lot going on for sure. That's great. And where can people find you and your project? That's a great question. Um, they can find BitGive at bitgivefoundation.org and we're also on all social media. And then our donation platform with all the different NGOs who are fundraising is givetrack.org. And um, we'd love to have folks come and check us out. We also have a newsletter you can sign up for. Um, we're very respectful. We don't send out a lot of newsletters. We wait until we have exciting things to share. Um, so there's lots of different ways to follow our work and learn more. Great. Then I have a last question, which is always one of my last questions. Um, that is, do you have any recommendations like books to read or videos to watch or websites to look at uh, for newbies to learn about Bitcoin and open blockchains? Ah, well, I'm sure most people will say what I'm going to say, which is Andrea Santanopoulos. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> he is uh, absolutely rises to the top of um, best educators in the space, uh, both from a practical, you know, sort of on the ground standpoint, but also from a technical standpoint, depending on, um, you know, what folks are looking for. And he has um, lots and lots of um, talks online and um, even classes that he's done, but also several books. And I think you actually were the, you translated one of his books into German, right? Yeah, I was in the team of the first two volumes, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so you know him very well then, and uh, he's, he's wonderful. Um, and I think aside from that, um, you know, our angle on it is uh, the nonprofit space and the Charities Aid Foundation, which is based out of the UK, had um, several years ago put out a whole series of papers around the nonprofit and philanthropy space with um, Bitcoin and blockchain. So that would be another one I would suggest. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's something new. <laughs> I've never heard about it. So I'm definitely looking into it. Well, great. Yeah, we have, I think we have them all on our, our website under the Get Involved page. Ah, okay, great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I will take a look. So We're coming to an end. Thank you very much. Is there anything left uh, that you want to tell our listeners? No, I think I would just say thank you. I really appreciate, you know, coming on your show and I'm super excited about your travels and I can't wait to, to hear your episodes from your um, experiences in Africa. Thank you very much. And I hope I won't forget to take a picture of Ala Kanani and me and send it to you. <laughs> Oh, that would be wonderful. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. Okay. <laughs> thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Safe travels. If you like my show, please subscribe to it in your podcast player and share the episode on social media. You can find all links that were mentioned in the show notes on the website or in your podcast player. You can contact me also on Twitter, LinkedIn or YouTube. Goodbye from Vienna. Auf Wiederhören. Music. Start with Yes, Delicate Beats. Idea, Content and Production, yours truly, Anita Posch. <laughs>